Alright, well for Revelation chapter 18 tonight, um, I want to start, I want to read just the last verse here real quick because we're continuing to look at the destruction of Babylon. We covered that last week, chapter 17 talked about that, but in chapter 18 we see even more detail on this. But look at this last verse, it says, and in her, talking about Babylon, was found the blood of the prophets and of the saints and of all that were slain upon the earth. And I want to start out with that verse because um, you know, I got I got quite a bit of feedback from the last message. I think a lot of people are disappointed I didn't go with Jerusalem, all right? And the thing is, what I am not an enemy of anybody who thinks that Babylon is Jerusalem. I, I think there's plenty of reasons to think that. And I wanted to think that, all right? I I personally like the idea of it being Jerusalem for a lot of reasons, one is just one more thing to just take off the Zionists. You know, it's just one more bad thing to say about Israel. You know, one more reason to tell people not to support it, to support Israel. Uh, but at the same time, one thing, and I mentioned this last week, but I think a lot of people kind of missed the point, is that in the Bible, we don't, alright, we don't always call people by their name based on their DNA, but it's by their works. And so everybody likes this last verse because the blood of the martyrs are on these people. Well, Matthew 23, and I had, I had several things. I watched several more videos this week uh, trying to connect Babylon with Jerusalem. I had some articles that were sent to me that I read. And Matthew 23 is one of their biggest verses. And Matt, But Matthew 23, all right, remember it said to them, upon this generation is going to come all the blood. Well, the thing is, I personally believe that happened in 70 AD. In that generation, they suffered for the blood of the martyrs. So now here we have with Babylon that's coming in the future, they're guilty of the martyrs. Well, the thing is, if it's Jerusalem because of what we see in Matthew 23, they already paid. Okay? And you say, but yeah, but the thing is, you know, it's not possible that a prophet... Well... Not then, all right. That that there, you know, there's some things, you know, there's some prophecies once fulfilled, you know, then they're fulfilled, they're done. That mean it have to be that way forever. But remember, God often calls people by their name uh, uh, or calls their name based on their works. All right, just like that is why we are Israel. All right. And you know what? I just need to say this. I just need to get this off my chest. All right. So just all these Zionists. Now listen, I'm 100% for people who want to try to debunk what I teach if they have a different position. All right. We all have the right to do that, but represent it accurately. All right. And I want to say something right now. And this is just, this is, this is for the critics out there. All right. This is for the, you know, the liars like Sam Gipp, the, you know, the Bill Buy My Book Grady's. All right, this is for them. And this is even for some of the good guys out there that are against us. Guys that I like, you know, the Charles Hiltabittles and people like that, that I, I have a lot of respect for, but I disagree with, all right? And I, I want to say this just for them, okay? The church did not replace Israel. The church did not replace Israel, okay? I don't claim that the church replaced Israel. Here's what I claim. I claim the New Testament replaced the Old Testament. And I'm going to be preaching a sermon on this pretty soon. The New Testament replaced 
the Old Testament. Therefore, we are able, we call ourselves Israel today because of the fact that Israel is not a physical people anymore. It is a spiritual people. We are of Israel because we are of our father Abraham by faith. Right? We believe God like Abraham. Therefore, we are Israel. Okay? And the church did not replace Israel, but Gentiles who believed like Abraham, they were grafted into Israel. And those who were physically of Israel, who rejected Jesus Christ, they were broken off. Alright? That is very clear from Romans chapter 11. And the thing is, everybody out there that wants to try to debunk what we teach, they all just build straw man arguments and try to destroy those. And they wonder why they're not winning people over, why they keep losing people to us. Okay? And there's two reasons they're losing people to us. One, because we're right and they're wrong. But two, because when they try to debunk us, they don't accurately represent us, making themselves look like they don't know what they're talking about. And newsflash, they don't know what they're talking about. All right? But people who understand this concept that we are named with Abraham not based on our lineage, but based on our faith. Because we have faith like Abraham, we also should apply the same thing to Babylon. You don't get named with Babylon because of your you know, geographic location, because of your DNA, it's because of your works. So here's the thing. It could be Jerusalem, you could say, if they are the ones responsible for killing all, if they're the ones leading in the killing of the martyrs during this time. Okay? But if it's not them, then if it is the United States, or Rome, or whoever, then they would be Babylon. Alright? We, we should get that. Do you all get that? Okay? We all, we ought to get that. And another thing, point too, that people are questioning of mine is that, you know, I'm, I'm calling, you know, like we call Babylon's a harlot, right? But then I said the United States is always giving money to Israel. And they're like, you give money to a harlot. Okay, yes. But you also fornicate or commit adultery with a harlot. Now, how do we in the United States you know, fornicate or commit adultery with Israel by giving them money. That's how we do it. Okay, a harlot, she gives these, car, you know, she fulfills the carnal desire of a man. Well, we fulfill the carnal desires of Israel by giving them a lot of money. Y'all get that? Alright? It's figurative. Okay? And when you think about it figuratively, yes. Giving them money is, you know, the, along the same things. Because what does Israel like more than anything else? Money. Alright? I know that's racist. I said Israel. I didn't say, you know, that, that could look bad. <laughs> but you all thought it. Alright? But anyway, so let's go through uh, chapter 18. And as we look at these things, I'm going to show you a few things here tonight that I think would be real easy to make you just say, Jerusalem. All right, but once again, I think uh, I, I, I definitely can't claim that position. So, but chapter 18 though continues covering the destruction. Chapter 17 it showed us how the beast and his kingdom are who destroy Babylon, 
And in this chapter, we see what the destruction looks like, okay? And so think about this, too. If the beast in his kingdom destroys Babylon, and Babylon is Jerusalem, then what's Jesus coming to trample on when he shows up at Jerusalem? You ever thought about that? Because remember, the battle of Armageddon, there is no battle of Armageddon. There's a battle of the great day of God Almighty. That happens in Jerusalem. Okay, or right outside. Jerusalem is where that takes place. So that's another reason too, I just can't bring myself to call it Jerusalem because it seems very clear in chapter 18, we're talking about a geographic location here. And you can try symbolizing a lot of this stuff, but I think we're just stretching way too much. If we're going to symbolize chapter 18 into Jerusalem, then, you know, that should free us up to, you know, uh, allegorize a bunch of the other stuff in Revelation that we probably don't want to do without completely messing up everybody's theology. You know, maybe the preterists are right. You know, if, if we're gonna if we're gonna allegorize it that much, okay? And you have to you have to allegorize chapter eighteen that bad to to me to make it fit, you know, physical Jerusalem. But anyway, so look at verse 1. It says, And after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils, and the hold of every foul spirit, and the cage of every unclean and hateful bird. So this is showing how it's just it's an utter destruction of Babylon. It's showing how all the people are going to be dead and only devils, alright, you know, they're just spirits, they will be there, and the hold of every foul spirit, and the cage of every unclean and hateful bird. Why are they going to be there? Well, after the smoke kind of settles, after Babylon is burned with fire, guess what? The birds are going to come, and they're going to be eating the flesh of what's left over. Why? Because everybody's dead. So, uh, paints a, a pretty graphic picture there, but, it's what's going to happen. So, verse 3 says, For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Okay? This is why it's happening. All the nations have contributed of her fornication. And the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. So, another way too we could say, and this goes along with the giving of the money, but so how does how do kings how can a king fornicate with another nation? Alright? How does that work? Alright? I personally believe the way a king fornicates with another nation, spiritually speaking, is by putting the interests of the other nation above his own nations for his personal gain. You know, they're like, hey, I'll give you this. You know, we'll, you know, we'll give you this power. We'll do this for you. What they do, they butter up the king. They butter up the guy that's in charge. And then he ends up giving this other country what he wants against his own, the, against the interests of his own nation. And, you know, we, we're supposed to have laws about that in the United States when it comes to certain things. You know, they, that, they don't want, uh, you know, personal gain. A president is not supposed to, use some kind of personal gain to make a deal with some other country. You know, it would be really bad if Trump went over to Russia and told him, like, listen, when I get out of office, you know, I'll, I promise not to bomb you guys. 
And I promise we'll be at peace all these eight years, but you got to buy all my stuff once I'm done being president. You know, if they found out he did that, he'd get thrown out of office real fast. Okay? That would be committing fornication with another kingdom. Putting his own interests above the nation that he's supposed to be serving. Okay? Just like a husband, you know, he is supposed to only have a physical relationship with his wife, not some harlot out there. A president or a king is supposed to be taking care of his own country, putting his his country's needs first, not some other countries. And I say all that to say, you know, who does our country and this this is another thing you could say you could turn it towards Jerusalem. And that's why I'm not against people that think that way. Because what country do we seem to care more about than our own country? Israel. Alright? I listened to a preacher just the other day. He kept saying over and over again, I love God, I love my family, I love Israel, and I love my country. He said it in that order like three times. He kept putting Israel before his own country. And I'm thinking, yeah, that makes sense if you're a Zionist, but it doesn't make sense if you're a normal human being. And you know what? We have many of these Zionists today, Baptist preachers today, they applaud our leaders when they put them their, the interests of Israel before our own countries. Somebody told me that Texas just passed some bill Anti-Israel, anti-Texas. You know, our country passed something you can't against boycotting Israel. Why are we doing that thing? Because Israel is a wicked nation that is committing atrocity after atrocity. And you know what? It's being exposed. People are seeing it. People are finding out. And unfortunately, the news media, the mainstream news media, is keeping all this stuff quiet. But you know what? If it ever hits the mainstream, there's going to be so much outcry against Israel, and rightfully so, for their wickedness. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to start doing like they do to other countries. When we don't like what other countries do, what do we do? You know, we'll put sanctions against them. We'll stop doing business with those other countries. Well, our country's already preemptively made a law saying that we can't do that with Israel. Why? Is it because they're going to do something? Well, probably, but I think it's because they're already doing something. And, and you know what? It's getting out there. I don't know for sure what Beyond Jordan's about, but I'm hoping they're going to be showing some of this junk when it comes out. And let me tell you something. You know, those guys better watch their backs after this documentary comes out if it starts to have an impact. You will talk about, you want to get yourself whacked in this country. You know, you make a difference speaking out against Israel and affecting public policy that way, you're going you're gonna to be dead for sure. If you hear any of those guys committed suicide in the next few months, don't believe it. All right, It was murder. Who did it? The Jews. I guarantee it. All right, And we'll be next. Because <laughs> I ain't going to sit there. Listen, if I find out you know, Pastor Anderson's body was hacked up with all, a bunch of pieces and they say it's suicide, I'm not keeping quiet about that. Alright, I'm not keeping quiet about that, but anyway, our, our country said it is, it's wicked. I see why people, you know, do that with Israel. But here's the thing with Israel though. Another thing too, points it back to the United States. It's very clear with Babylon that they force, okay, 
This is like a forced thing. They're always forcing these other nations to participate. The United States is the one that does that. The United States forces people. And the United States, it forces other countries to be friends with Israel. Why is that? Now, I don't think it's because they're the whore. I think it's because they are the, going to be the kingdom of the Antichrist. I think Jerusalem is the kingdom of the Antichrist, the seat of the Antichrist. And I, but I think, and that's just my opinion. Okay? But, uh, I'm just showing how, you know, so try to be consistent with everything, with all that's out there. I, I think the best guess of the United States, and I think that, you know, Jerusalem is, is just a bad guess. I mean, I, I see where people are thinking that, but I think it's they're interpreting the Bible inconsistently when they, when they apply it that way. So, you know, all nations are involved mentions. You know, all the nations have been involved with Babylon. They, they've partnered in her wickedness. And so, it's premature too, though, to apply any of this stuff here to what's going on right now in the present. Because I personally think what this is really talking about is what we mentioned last week in Daniel 9.27. It says he will confirm a covenant with many for one week. Okay, The Antichrist is going to be making deals. The Antichrist is going to be the one pushing things. All right, The real fornication that this is talking about, it's going to be going on during the Antichrist time. Okay, But at the same time, if we want to get an idea of who's going to be doing this junk, you know, when the final seven years begins, I think a good thing to do would be to see who's doing this same kind of junk right now. And that's what I think we ought to do. And so when you see who's doing this, this kind of junk right now, you know, it does point to the United States. But like I said, it, it could be something completely different. You know, who knows? I mean, our country's so full of pride. I mean, God could just destroy us like we never existed and it wouldn't mess up one thing in Bible prophecy. And and so, you know, it, it is, it, it's foolish to get dogmatic on that. That's why I'm not going to fight people over Babylon. But it says in verse 4, it says, And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins and that ye receive not of her plagues for her sins have reached unto heaven, and God hath remembered her iniquities. I think this verse right here is one of the best verses that proves that people will be getting saved during the wrath of God period. I, I really don't know how else to interpret it. I used to kind of lean more towards nobody getting saved during the wrath of God period. Some people still believe that way. I, I'm not going to fight them on that. You know, I used to think, well, maybe this is just kind of like an interjection thing. God's telling people to come out of Babylon. Well, if this is for us now, you know, and the United States is Babylon, wouldn't that mean we need to move out of the United States? And if this is God calling on us to get out of Babylon now, then why isn't it more clear who Babylon is? Okay, but here's one thing for sure. What's crystal clear is during this time, everyone's going to know who Babylon is. It will be very clear who Babylon is. And I do believe that this is a call to believers during the wrath of God period to get out of Babylon. Why? Because they are about to be destroyed. And you know what? There are going to be people who go into the millennial reign. There's going to be people who go into the millennial reign. 
And I don't necessarily believe all the people who go into the millennial reign or who survive through this time are going to be saved people. I think there's going to be some lost people too. But I do think that God is warning His people during this time, hey, it's time to get out of town. It's time to get out of the city because it's about to be destroyed. But I, I don't... There really aren't any clear verses that say people are getting saved during the wrath of God period. It's basically just assumed because we have the 144,000, we have the two witnesses, so we, we're, we're just going to assume that people are going are to be getting saved during that time. But right here, this is probably the one clear verse that shows people are getting saved. If that, If this doesn't... You know, prove it. I don't know how else you can even interpret this accurately. So I, I think we do have to say people do get, um, will be able to get saved during the wrath of God period. So, you know, it's very likely there, there may be some very large groups. Okay. I don't know this. If I may just speculate for a minute. You know, the Bible says the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. You know, we know that God is going to judge the nations one of these days. One of the things that I wonder, I don't know this, but I wonder if during this wrath of God period, if there may, might, just might be some, I mean, national revivals that take place. And therefore, those nations are spared a lot of judgment. Though, I, I don't know. But I do know there are going to be a lot of people that go into the millennium. And so, um, it's hard to say. We can only speculate. You know, why doesn't God tell us that now? Well, because you know what? We don't really need to be trying to stick around to see this for ourselves. Because we're supposed to be getting raptured out before then. Alright? Whatever, whatever happens, it will be clear when that time comes. But you know what? I would rather be on the heaven side of things. Even if there is a great revival going on, I'd still rather be on the heaven side of things. Alright? The 144,000, they're going to have their glorified bodies. So, you know, they'll be fine. We don't get our glorified body until the rapture. And I'll just wait and come back down with Jesus. I'm fine with that. They've been in heaven for a long time. I will not have gotten to go to heaven yet. I'd like to spend some time up there. All right, just a little vacation before coming back down here. But anyway, look at verse 6. All right, this is, this is a good one for the modern day Baptists that just can't seem to wish harm on anyone or wish bad thoughts on anybody. It says, talking about Babylon... Reward her even as she rewarded you, and double unto her, double according to her works, in the cup which she hath filled, fill to her double. You know, it is appropriate for us to cry out for vengeance as long as we give it to God. Okay? You know, people like to bring in their verse. You know, vengeance belongs to God. Absolutely. Alright? And it's okay for us to pray that God gets vengeance. It's just we're not supposed to do it. Why? Because we tend to go overboard. We tend to be unjust and not unfair. We might get the wrong person. We don't need to go executing judgment on people. We don't need to go carrying out vengeance on people. But you know what? It's okay for us to pray for God to. And right here, I mean, it's pretty clear that John is calling on God, you know, give it to her. Let her have it. She is worthy. She deserves it. Give her double. And look, it says in verse 7, how much she hath glorified herself. You know, singing proud to be an American and things like that. I don't know. But it says, and lived deliciously. 
so much torment and sorrow give her, for she saith in her heart, I sit a queen and am no widow, and shall see no sorrow. Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judgeth her. So Babylon clearly deserves everything that's coming their way. There's no doubt about that. Verse 9 says, And the kings of the earth who have committed fornication and live deliciously with her shall bewail her and lament for her when they shall see the smoke of her burning. And so, notice it. Go back to chapter 17 real quick. Let's look at a couple of verses here. So, it mentions kings who have committed fornication with her and live deliciously with her. They will bewail her. Alright? And lament for her. Okay? Keep, now, keep that verse in mind because it, it almost looks like a contradiction here. But I'm going to show you it isn't. In chapter 17, verse 16, it says, "In the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, thee shall hate the whore, and shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh, and burn her with fire. For God hath put it in their hearts to fulfill His will. So here we see it's these kings, these ten kings, that are, you know, that kill the great whore. All right, but right here in chapter 18, um, you know, we see that the king, uh, you know, these kings, um, verse eight says, "Therefore shall a place come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire." Or verse nine, I'm sorry. And the kings of the earth who have committed fornication and lived lishly with her shall bewail her. Here we see kings that are sad. All right, now there's a difference. You've got the ten kings who are the ones that get put in charge. They are the ones that end up killing her. Because think about this too. If, let's just say I'm right, and the United States is Babylon, and Israel or Jerusalem is the seat of the beast. Well, once again, why is it that people are scared of Israel? Because they're scared of the United States. Okay? You know, it's the United States that kind of has all the clout and all the influence. Well, the thing is, if you know, Israel's not going to mess with us. But you know what? Do you think they like us? No, they're just using us. So the thing is, as soon as we get what they want for them, guess what they're going to do? They're going to turn around and kill us just to make sure that they stay on top. You know why? Because they, they hate the whore. Okay? But the rest of the world loves the whore. Why? Because the rest of the world's profiting from her. The rest of the world is getting all her stuff. The, the rest of the world is making money off the whore because we buy everything. All right? we're, we're buying all her stuff. So look what it says in verse um, 10. So you see these other kings, they love Babylon, but notice it's a selfish love. Okay? Verse 10 says, standing afar off, for the fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour is thy judgment come. And the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her, for no man buyeth their merchandise anymore. Alright, so is it because they just love the people? Is it because they just loved, you know, the rest of the world just loved us because they loved our freedom? You know, they, no, they loved our money. That's what they loved. That's what they cared about. 
says the merchandise of gold and silver and precious stones and of pearls and fine linen and purple and silk and scarlet and all fine wood and all manner of vessels of ivory and all manner of vessels of most precious wood and of brass and iron and marble and cinnamon and odors and ointments and frankincense and wine and oil and fine flour and wheat and beasts and sheep and horses and chariots and slaves and souls of men and the fruits that thy soul lusted after are departed from thee and all things which are dainty and goodly are departed from thee, and thou shalt find them no more at all. The merchants of these things, which were made rich by her, shall stand afar off for the fear of her torment, weeping and wailing, and saying, Alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls. So right here, this is one of the biggest passages I think scores points for the United States. And because of the fact we are the major purchasers. Okay? Because remember, notice these merchants, they're from other countries, right? These ships are from other countries. Why? They are bringing their merchandise here. Babylon buys all the merchandise. And so notice this love they have for Babylon is just because they were only Receiving that carnal material gain. Okay? But think about this. You know, how many have seen those things? I've seen them. They go around the internet showing all those, these just massive amounts of these cargo ships and stuff that come just bringing tons of merchandise over from China. And then they always show you at the end, after they, you see all this merchandise that comes, how we send the ships back empty. Alright, have anybody ever seen those before? That was like a big email that was going around a while back. You're supposed to share with 10 people and stuff like that. I had about 100 people share it with me. But, you know, it is true. It is true that we have just, I mean, thousands and thousands of containers, just billions and billions of dollars of merchandise that is brought to this country and then we send nothing out. Is that not the United States right there? Can anybody think of any other place in the world right now that that would even compare to? No. We're buying everybody else's junk from all over the world. And so that is one of the things that just fits the U.S. And the thing is, you know, it's talking about the merchants. It's talking about the ships. I don't know how you allegorize this. It, it seems pretty literal to me. And so... Um, you know, it, like I said, that's what I think you got, you got to go by point. It's like a point system, all right? And just, and it's not a shutout, all right? Babylon versus Rome versus Jerusalem. Okay, Babylon's not necessarily shutting out the other two, but they're beating them pretty bad in, this, in the scoring system that I came up with. But anyway, verse 17 says, For in one hour, so great riches is coming on, and every shipmaster, and all the company of ships and sailors and as many as trade by sea stood afar off. All right. Now, what do you think? All right. So Babylon's going to be burned with fire and it's going to be destroyed in one hour. How do you destroy a great city by fire in just one hour? Nukes. All right. It's got to be nukes. All right. And it's clear too. That this isn't uh, a judgment from God. This isn't God doing it. It's not fire and brimstone from heaven. No, it's the uh, it's those ten kings 
that do it. It's the kingdom of the beast that destroys Babylon. And what do you think they'd use? If it's not nukes, then it's just going to be something even more hardcore that they invent in the next years. So, um, you know, I, I think there's no doubt Babylon's getting nuked. All right. Big time. And that's another reason, too, just Jesus is going to rule from Mount Zion. Now, could he heal that area? Uh, you know, after he comes back, sure he could. But the thing is, I believe it's some of the Old Testament passages, you know, Babylon's not going to be inhabited again. So, that, that's one of the big, that's like negative points right there for Jerusalem. That like takes away some of the points I got. So, in my scoring system. But anyway, so verse 19 says, and when they, and they cast dust on their heads and cried weeping and wailing saying, alas, alas, that great city wherein were made rich all that had ships in the sea by reason of her costliness for in one hour she is made desolate. Rejoice over her, thou heaven, and ye holy apostles and prophets, for God hath avenged you on her. So once again, it's okay to rejoice when evil is defeated. We can be happy about that. When evil is defeated. The Bible says, love your enemies. Yes, I should love my own personal enemy. Okay, But you know what? If there's somebody out there, they're killing Christians, they're destroying lives, destroying the souls of people. If I want to rejoice when they're gone and when they fall, I'm going to do that. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's appropriate. They do it all the time in the Bible. And we're going to be rejoicing in heaven when Babylon gets destroyed. Because they're worthy. So verse 21, And a mighty angel took up a stone and a great millstone and cast it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence shall that great city Babylon be thrown down and shall be found no more at all. And the voice of harpers and musicians and of pipers and trumpeters shall be heard no more at all in thee, and no craftsman of whatsoever craft he be shall be found any more in thee, and the sound of a millstone shall be heard no more at all in thee. And so, nor light of the candle shall shine no more at all in thee, and the voice of the bridegroom and of the bride shall be heard no more at all in thee. For thy merchants were the great men of the earth, for by thy sorceries were all nations deceived. And in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints and of all that were slain upon the earth. So right there, that's that big verse again. But if, can, I, can I just speculate again here too or just throw in some conspiracy theories? Alright. I, I don't... This is not a position. This is just what comes in my head. Alright. This, is, this is, comes in my head whenever I read this passage. But it says, uh, For by thy sorceries were all nations deceived. Alright? Sorceries. Okay? Drugs. Drugs. How do we deceive the nations with drugs? Well, maybe through the pharmaceutical industry. Maybe chemtrails. I don't know. I don't know. You know, there's all kinds of ways. I mean, folks, everybody's on drugs today. Okay? And the United States isn't the only place with that problem. Any country that has any kind of money, the people are just up to their eyeballs in drugs. So, and who's making the money on that? The United States is making money there. That's the kind of stuff that we ship over to other countries. Drugs. Alright? No, drugs all coming from Mexico. That's why we need to build the wall, right? No, those are the illegal drugs. That are, you know, that come from Mexico. The legal drugs, you know, a lot of those, uh, a lot of those are produced right here in the U.S. But anyway, 
So let me just kind of uh, show you a few things here too, because there are there are some example. Uh, let me show you some examples of unfair conclusions that people jump to when uh, studying Babylon. So for the first one, I brief I mentioned this briefly before, but connecting Revelation eighteen twenty four to Matthew twenty three thirty five through thirty eight. And that's where Jesus credited Jerusalem for the death of all the martyrs. Okay, but remember, he said in verse. Uh, let's go ahead and read there. Uh, Matthew twenty-three says, verse thirty-five, that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth, from the blood of righteous Abel under the blood of Zacharias the son of Berechias, whom you slew between the temple and the altar. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. I believe that happened in that generation in 70 A.D. Just 40 years later. 40 years is a generation. Okay, and Look what it says here. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. I think it's interesting too how first Jesus referred to the house of God as behold, my house shall be called a house of prayer. But later at this point, he says, your house is left unto you desolate. I think that's interesting. And you know what? In 70 AD, their house was left desolate. It was utterly destroyed. Nothing left. Not even a western wall. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, watch my sermon, The Temple Mount Fraud. Alright, there's nothing left. Completely wiped out. That happened. He, they paid in that generation. So they don't need to pay again. Alright? They paid once. They got it done. But there are going to be new martyrs. Okay? There has been new martyrs. Who's responsible for the martyrs? Babylon is responsible for martyrs. That's very clear in Revelation. Not because of their geography, but because of their works. So that's what we've got to understand. So when you connect those, you can't necessarily connect that with Jerusalem. I believe that generation got theirs, and I believe the next generation is going to get theirs. Whoever's responsible, whoever's doing it, they're going to get it. And if they happen to do it again in Jerusalem, then they'll be battling and they'll get it again. But it's not going to be because of their geographic location. It's going to be because of their works. So, Because remember, Jerusalem did not kill Abel, did they? Okay, Think about this. Jerusalem did not kill Abel. There was no Jerusalem when Abel was killed. Yet Jesus credited them for killing Abel. You say, well, you know, most of these martyrs, they weren't killed by the United States in history. They've been killed by Rome since the time of Christ. Okay. But you know what? That's because they were doing the work of Babylon then. Okay? Rome wasn't doing the work of Rome, the geographic location. They were doing the work of Babylon. This is consistent with how God interprets things in the Bibles and what God calls people by. That's why women who are submissive to their husband, He calls them the daughters of Sarah because of their works. So you can't make these things about geographic locations you have to make it about works. And then the thing is, when the Bible talks about Babylon and it talks about geographic stuff, nothing even resembles Jerusalem. So this is this is what's consistent. So, you know, the 
Jerusalem got credited for the blood of Abel because they were the leading contributor of martyrs during that time. Yes, Rome has killed, I mean, millions. But, 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 they have not paid for it yet. Whoever pays for it is going to be the one leading when judgment comes. And if that's the United States, then it, it will be, it will be our country. So there's, there's no one credit or no one country that you could credit for killing martyrs today, but the leading country or city in that time will be the city that pays just like Jerusalem did. Alright, so another conclusion people jump to also is making Babylon a spiritual place instead of a physical place. And so the problem with that is it makes chapter 18 become just completely symbolic. If this chapter is going to be completely symbolic, then you know what? Why can't we make 1 through 17? Let's make it so symbolic that preterism makes sense or the pre-trib rapture makes sense or, you know, whatever, you know, maybe the Ruckmanites have something with some of their crazy things. You know, if we're not going to take the Bible literally anymore and just, you know, allegorize it however we want, that's just, that's wrong. Spiritualizing Babylon, it, that's the main argument people use to prove Rome. Okay? Rome, that spiritualizing Babylon is usually why people go with Rome. And I can see why they would do that. And so, another thing too, and so, or just a question that comes up. So, Bab, when it comes to Babylon, it meant, it calls her a city. So, when we talk about it being the United States, you know, do we think the entire country is going to get burnt with fire or nuked? Or is it just going to be a city? If it's a city, you know, which city? You know, New York? I hope. Uh, uh, you know, how, how does that work? Well, think about this. The Bible refers to Babylon as a great city, right? It is, it's a, it's a great city. It's a very large, it's a very large city. Well, understand too, when it comes to a city, alright, you know, what is a city? It's really one, you know, commonwealth of people that are all under the same laws, you could say, and same jurisdiction. And have you noticed how in our country we're all becoming just one in laws? Listen, one thing that we're seeing happen in a lot of places in a lot of states, and one of the reasons they're just making the laws that they do that affect the entire country instead of letting states just do what they want to do is because the states that are doing the most wickedness, guess what everybody does? They end up fleeing those states and going to other states. And then those states or those areas, they crash and burn. Okay, Like, for example, suburbs. The suburbs are considered racist, right? Because why? All the white people, they moved out of the cities to get away from the black people, right? Well, actually, no. The reason the white people moved out of the cities is because the cities were getting so corrupt that they were getting so carried away with the high taxes and all the corruption and everything. Everybody was like, you know what? We can't afford to live here anymore. It's too bad. So they moved out there. So what are they always trying to do? They're always trying to make laws so you can't escape. And one of the things we're going to start seeing when they start doing, if one state passes mandatory vaccinations or one state bans homeschooling or something like that, all the good people are going to leave those states. 
And then what's going to happen? They're going to crash and burn. So you know what we're seeing happen in our country more and more is that individual cities, individual counties, and even individual states have no say anymore. We're pretty much getting to a point where we all just have one law. We're all just one people. And therefore, why even have states anymore? Except just to explain where we are geographically. We are almost there. We are pretty much there. We are just one city. And in the, back in the Bible days, different cities had different cultures, different laws, different ways of life. You know, even though geographically they could be very close to each other. And so they were referred to a city because it was really a manner of people, not just a geographic location. Y'all get what I'm saying on that? Do we have that in the United States anymore? No, we do not. That is going away, and that is a very bad thing. And to think that a country as large as ours, over 300 million people in this country, and we let nine judges often decide things that affect the entire country. That is not the way things should be. That is not right. But you know what it does show? It shows that we are all really just one city. And Washington, D.C., if it is just one city, I hope it's them. I hope it's them, and I hope all the politicians are home when it happens. <laughs> but anyway, so one thing we need, you know, that we need to learn about Babylon is that God hates her. And what she stands for, he hates her works. And so if, even if the United States is not Babylon yet, we should stand against her doing the works of Babylon. We should be against her doing thing, anything that resembles Babylon. We don't want to normalize that type of wicked behavior, even if it's in case it's some other country. We need to stand against it. We've got to stand against pushing other nations around, causing them to commit fornication with us. We've got to stop that. It's bad enough that our country is as wicked as it is. You know, it's bad enough that our country legalizes sodomy and things like that. It's disgusting that we've got people, even in the Trump administration, that are basically ambassadors trying to help get sodomy legalized in other countries. You know what? Leave those people alone. Let them keep putting them to death. That's what they're supposed to be doing. Don't go over there trying to make them do it, saying we're not going to deal with you if you don't give them the same rights as you do everybody else. You know how wicked that is? Our country is doing that right now. With a Republican president, our country is doing that. That is wicked. Leave them alone. Let them keep throwing them from buildings or have throwing them in prison. Whatever they're doing to them, leave them alone. Let it go. We're killing our own babies in this country and we're going to worry about Muslims throwing homos off a building? That's ridiculous. Well, we're killing babies in the womb and you do. you got Republican, Fox News, Baptists that just support that kind of junk. Wicked. It's all get out, and it's just stupid. But we for sure need to stand against persecuting God's people in any way. We've got to we got to support, we got to respect religious rights of people, and they're you know, people they just they throw them out the window. They don't care. We've got to stand against making covenants with the wicked. Okay, don't don't you go clapping your hands when you see these guys making all these deals and shaking hands and you know hugging all these leaders from other countries. Don't stand don't. Don't go sharing that 
junk on Facebook, like, oh, what a wonderful thing. You know, look at all these people from different countries that are different cultures, all shaking hands together and signing treaties that, you know, we're all going to be nice to homos now. Mm-mm. No. We have no idea. Listen, if any Muslim country that would pass a law that, you know, legalizes homosexuality, you know there was a great deal of, I mean, just pushing behind the scenes. A great deal of threatening going on. That culture doesn't respect that one bit. There was a great deal of fornication going on behind the scenes to make that pass. We should not be okay with that. We should be ashamed of that. And you know what? I am ashamed of it. And I'm going to speak against that kind of stuff. I don't care who it makes mad. I don't care who it makes mad. And you know what? Fox News Baptist, these Republican, they can go jump in a lake. That's, that's all. That's all I've got to say about that. I and so I hope you got something from this, and I hope you, I hope you hate Babylon. I hope you hate it with all your heart. And I'm looking forward to when it's destroyed, especially since I know I won't be here for that. I can say like a preacher, "Well, hey man, we ain't going to be here for that. I'll, I'll be gone." Yeah, by the time Babylon's destroyed. We'll be gone. We can go for full Earl Hughes singing I'll Be Gone. You all can run around the auditorium like the guy and jump in the baptistry and all that kind of stuff when talking about destruction of Babylon. But anyway, let's go ahead and be dismissed with the word of prayer. So, dear Lord, we thank you so much uh, for your word. Lord, I pray you'll help us to learn from these things. Lord, help us. Lord, even if our country isn't Babylon, help us to stand against it when it acts like Babylon and when it does the works of Babylon. Dear Lord, I pray you'll just... You'll help, uh, help Christians to just wake up to the wickedness that they are supporting, dear God, and help them to just be ashamed of themselves and to get right and to get back to studying your word. Lord, help us to just reject uh, making deals with wicked nations and uh, giving to wicked nations like Israel. Lord, help us to stand against that uh, filthy, vile place and help us to uh, just to turn our back on them, dear God, and help us just to not want to have anything to do with them. And I, Lord, I know you'll bless us for that if we will. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's